I, that's great. Somebody who needs it, I think that's great. But I am so done with the church move share program and the I am so done with the movers quorum. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, it's an entitlement. I am so sick of it. We have a family moving in. We have never a question as to what do they actually need the help. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many Saturdays I spent and I never ever once asked for help back. These people are asking for help because, hey, I gave up X number of Saturdays and I, I can understand that. But mm -hmm. but the problem is the church does it. It's it's in the context of you made a sacred covenant in the temple, you know, yeah. to, de to dedicate your time and your resources. Yeah. So people, people exploit that. But finally, it's like, I'm, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> how I feel about this later. And the longer I was out of it, the, the longer I, the more certain I became that I'm never, ever going back to the move share program. Well, and kind of along that same line. So my dad, my parents ward, the young people in the ward are probably in their sixties. My parents are amongst like the young, young members of the ward. And so they'll have people. I remember my dad telling me they had someone that needed to get new shingles on their roof. <laughs> and they like unashamedly were just asking the elders quorum to have some people come over to reshingle their roof. And it's like, no, that's a, you have professionals come in and do that. Not like a bunch of 85 year old men, like up on ladders on someone's roof. Not fair. It's not <laughs> fair. To be fair, to be fair for, to the moving thing. <laughs> um, Still angry um, about it. Rightfully so, because I've been in the situation where I went to help somebody move who was totally unprepared for help. <laughs> like nothing was packed. <laughs> so my stuff was all in boxes. Most of it was just in the garage, 20 feet away from my front door. Like I was totally 100% prepared and I was also prepared to pay people. <laughs> With help lifting the heavy stuff, the stuff you couldn't do. Exactly, because I'm a single woman. Well, And to me, it's not the issue of like, doing service is like a ward group or anything like that it's the you're required because you're in this ward and you don't have a choice and the like my dad owns a disaster cleanup business and like i can't even count the number of times people in the ward have called him expecting that he'll come to their house and do his profession for free he gets aced out of business when there's a catastrophe in in you know in the next stake over Right. They mobilize the ward to go help with the cleanup so there's so he doesn't get a chance to earn money even in the wards that he doesn't belong mm -hmm. to. Yes. Welcome to being a musician in the church. Right. I, I can't imagine how many times you were the music director of the ward. Or a mechanic or a plumber. I can I was telling the story to somebody else. Like I was okay like playing for a funeral or, or you know, church service on Sunday. But I can remember being called to do a local county fair Christmas program. I was called three days before the event by a young person in the ward asking if I would play the piano for them. And I proceeded to give said young person my rates for piano accompaniment. And, she, and they were like, uh, well, let me see if my mom's willing to pay you. And I'm like, <laughs> not a church function. Like it's completely not even a church function. It was a public local thing that people paid money to go into <laughs> and they wanted me to play the piano for free three days ahead of time mind you with music i'd never played before <laughs> my sister-in-law went to somebody in their ward to ask she's a cake decorator to ask her 
to decorate a cake for them for their her wedding and she refused to do it without pay she refused to do it for free and she came back and cried because she got turned out <laughs> it's a real problem entitlement i do something for you you do something back for me i remember a, a i remember a lesson on united order in uh, in sunday school several years ago and some girl says something about in their family she said something like how hurt she was because a sister or a sister-in-law wouldn't do something or wanted to be paid for something i can't remember what it was and she expected some sort of reciprocity on it and you know i couldn't help myself i raised my hand next and i said you know what i said the united order giving service in the united order you're not entitled to anything in return the doctrine is you give it to the lord and then the lord just you know distributes to where the need is that's the idea right it's not this i do something for you you do something back for me but that's the way it's been taken in the LDS community and drives me bonkers. And I'm done with it. I'm done, done, done. Yeah, the, that I'm with you, George. Like the United Order thing just pissed me off because I was like, you're skipping a step here. It's not quid pro quo. It's not, that's not what we're doing. It's not quid pro quo. It's what you said, that consolidation of, of assets and then redistribution. It's, um, what is that called? Communism? communism yeah communism <laughs> how do we reconcile agape love with uh, how like what is your new definition of agape love and serving other people and yet still being compensated for our, our services how does that all work now okay your mind oh, yeah, you create healthy one. boundaries <laughs> yeah yeah and that right there what you said molly step one Agape love, you cannot give away what you do not have yourself. It's agape love starts with loving yourself unconditionally. Okay. Yep. The greatest love of all. Another song. And then you create healthy boundaries. I feel like having grown up a Mormon woman, like the very idea that I might say, no, I'm sorry, I can't make dinner for you tonight. <laughs> is like uh, it's hard for me to say no I can't like I feel like I have to have a reason like I feel like the reason can't just simply be as so you have to like really dig deep oh I, I would but my son is sick and I'm presenting at a conference and <laughs> I wonder if the key is that it has to go both ways like it's all about who has the resources and abilities at the time versus everyone has yeah. everything. You know, like they both. have to show love to you by saying, wait, is this person the person that can help me right now? Or is someone else the person that could help me right now? Yeah, I, don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think that part of that is that creating the healthy boundaries, but also understanding when somebody is only in your life to take and not to give. One of the, I follow this really funny Facebook page called it's single swag. Like they're trying to sell me stuff, but they have really good quotes. And one of them was like, stop texting people first and see who actually is in your life for a reason. And I was like, mm, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> and it was interesting to see like, like who's taking up energy from me, but not giving anything back. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's been really, that, really that cool. Can even, that can even go with like your family. Like, yeah. Yeah, like right now, my sister's been texting me, and and I kind of uh, got into it a little bit with her this morning, but it's still about you know a lot of it has to do with like the 
the religion, how we're brought up, right? Yeah. Like, I was going to make a comment. One of you said something, but shouldn't we like, my viewpoint about things right now is if I want to share my love with somebody, whether it's romantically or just like, because I care, um, I'm going to do it freely without expecting anything back from anybody because that's how it should be, shouldn't, right? I mean, do you guys agree with me that it should be like freely given? Yeah. And and I shouldn't expect anything back. And if I get something, great. If I don't, it's okay. Let me move on to the next person that might might need a little bit of my, I don't know what I can give, but yeah, my energy. Go, Lois. Everybody needs love. Sure. Yeah. Yes. We're all human. We're all in this together, but a lot of people don't understand. Like it almost feels like, you know, when people say we're keeping up with the Joneses, like, whoa, you know, no, don't keep up with the Joneses. Let's we're all, we're all on different levels, but we are all human. But my other thought about everybody here in this group, and there's a lot of us, but I think the the one thing that we all, a lot of us have in common is that we weren't heard we weren't heard by our families. We weren't heard by our bishops. We weren't heard by our young women's leaders, our young men's leaders. I mean, nobody wanted to take the time to hear us, to listen to, you know, what we have to say or, or just somebody to hear us. And I was thinking along the lines of Molly's comment. I think what it is, is that we give freely when we have something to give. If you're self-aware enough to know that you're at a low point and don't have that right now and you really need something back, maybe you step back and kind of strengthen yourself and wait for someone to recognize that you need that help. Hopefully someone will come into your life that can give you that love and support and build you back up to where you are then in a position to go and share your light. Oh no, I'm so, I'm quoting scriptures again. <gasps> wait, wait. And then share wait. your love with others. That's exactly like what happened to me. <laughs> I like everything you said. The one thing, though, I would include in there is you said, wait for others to build you up. And from what I've learned in my uh, my counseling is that you can't depend on others to build you up. Mm-hmm. At least not. I, I mean, let me let me say it's the essential ingredient in your formative years. If you don't get it in your formative years, the only way that you can really fill that gap is to give it to yourself mm-hmm. and that's weird it's really kind of counterintuitive that you can fill a need like that yourself but um you can't depend on it because it's fleeting it, it's not reliable when it's based on other people i say one other thing we watched one of my favorite movies last night the elton john movie rocket man and you know he had profound uh his family was extremely negligent to him emotionally growing up and you know the the alcohol and drug abuse it, it came just a chronic unhappiness in most of his life and i kept i kept stopping and go mm, yeah i can identify with this yep that here yep not as not as acute as his situation but the dynamics very similar i agree and I, you know what you're right i misspoke when i said wait for others to build you up i guess what i meant was yeah i, I know that we have to rely on ourselves and Sometimes, you know, when you're at rock bottom, you don't really have anything. And But Absolutely. waiting for others is the wrong way to put it. Sometimes you have to ask for help or you have to go get help. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and hopefully you can make yourself strong enough that you are then enough. It's complicated. I know. It's hard. 
it's that difference between internal and external validation. You need to have both. It's a psychologically felt need. So you can't rely only on one or the other. You need to have a balance of both. And so like a couple weeks ago, I took a, I took a step back from the group because I recognized I wasn't at a place where I could provide the, the validation that this group uh, uses, which is good because I needed to take a step back and have some internal, like reset internally. And I did, I, I stopped coming to the meetings for a minute. I focused on myself and on, on <clears throat> what I needed to be healthy. And then when I, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I think I'm better now. Uh, I can't, I did come back to the group, but in that intervening time, when I wasn't in the group anymore, some friends from the group reached out to me on Facebook to check on me. And I knew that it wasn't like a weird <laughs> home teaching assignment. <laughs> like they legitimately were like, Hey, we haven't seen you in a long time. Like, how are things going? We know that your job is crazy during COVID. Like, like we hope you're doing okay. And like, that meant a lot to me. So, so I, well, that was the external validation. I had done a lot of work with internal validation and then I was able to come back. So, I mean, I don't want anyone to feel like they have to be givers in order to attend here. Cause sometimes it's okay to be like the recipient of mm-hmm. that emotional validation. Well, and I think because what I was going through wasn't really related to ex Mormon issues. It was, it was other stuff. I was, I I felt like, well, I know I'm in a place where I'm going to need to take and I'm going to need people to give to me. I knew that I didn't want to pull from the purpose of the group. Yeah. So we're glad you're back. Tying it back to, yeah. Tying it back to the church. The church is in the, you said not really, how'd you say it, Molly? You said not really a Mormon issue or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tie it back to the church. This lack of validation thing, emotional negligence, one of the byproducts of su- of families that are too large for parents mm-hmm. to manage is emotional negligence. Yeah. Well, and I'm not even from a big family. There's only three of us, but I had two, I had parents, two, both of my parents worked. Okay. Maybe that was, you know, dynamics there. I don't, you know, going on your family, but, but it still permeates the whole entire culture because mm-hmm. there are so many people because of polygamy and because of the, because of the multiply and replenish the earth thing, the whole culture is dysfunctional from a validation standpoint, because there yeah. are so many people so hungry for validation because of the negligence that they, the emotional negligence that they experience in their formative years that it still potentially affected you yeah it definitely did and it was um i mean my parents got married super young had all three of us in very close succession uh and i think about how much different would it have been if we if we didn't have to dedicate three four hours and then even more when my dad was in leadership on a sunday and then would my mom have had to work um would they have had to have multiple jobs if they didn't pay 10 percent to the church like i can remember my dad all of it. I mean, I don't mind that both my parents worked, but when my dad had to take on a second job when we were teenagers, like, I just think there's paying 10% of their money to the church. And I wonder, would my dad have had to get a second job? Right. <laughs> my parents, yeah. first four kids all a year apart. The third, the third <laughs> one, my older brother, my brother was just a year, year and a half older than me was off the charts, hyperactive. My parents put him in a boys, in a home for boys. Oh, residential home for boys when he was 11 years old. They literally could not handle him. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. But then they went on and had another one, me. 
Okay. And then they went on and had another one, my younger brother, four years younger than me. And then they had another one. Yeah. <laughs> and when parents are overwhelmed, one or more of the children are going to end up getting the short end of the stick emotionally. It's going to be the, it's going to be the emotional runt yeah. in the family. Uh, yeah. Like I was reading about attachment and I was like, oh, I have a really good relationship with my parents. Like I'm pretty sure I have a secure attachment. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents now. But when, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I went back and read my journals and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I, so I have two older siblings and I, in my journal, I write things about how my mom's always with my sister at whatever activity she's doing. My dad's always with my brother at baseball practice and I'm home alone doing my homework. Aww. And I had no idea how much that affected me and how still I'm almost 40. I'm still trying to get. I still look for that validation from my parents. Well, still. guess what? I'm 57. <laughs> but I have gotten to the point now where my parents have also grown. They've also left the church. They've also mm -hmm. like exponentially increased their ability of empathy. And like we end every FaceTime call with I love you, which we never said when I was a child growing up. And so a lot of that has been repaired. And I just have to remind myself and yeah. this is going to sound super hippie or meta or whatever but there it, there is some truth to telling your inner child like your parents loved you they just didn't have the tools to show you yeah i agree with that yeah it's been really helpful and that's what i was stepping back from the group focusing yeah. on was healing yeah. my inner child which i felt was a really personal journey that i didn't want to go through with everybody <laughs> so i could talk about it now but it was tough to go through i came to a decision couple weeks ago I think I told you guys I've decided to quit my family you know because I've been trying for decades to get my other people in my family siblings parents to recognize that there's emotional issues in our family I've discovered a lot of important things about mental health and I can share you know we can all learn together we can share I, I would want it to go both ways nobody's interested in fact what happens instead is i get smacked down <laughs> like and, and the lack of validation and what happens is is there's this void that i constantly try to get filled and every time i go to try and get this void filled instead bigger. of getting filled it gets bigger yeah and i i finally decided to do the tara westover thing that's one of john delin's mormon stories oh i love that have you read her book I haven't read the book yet. Also, that video I posted, I was wondering if we could talk about that sometime. You could schedule that for a discussion. The thing about emotional abuse. Yeah. I think that was a, of that one uh, because it's a big problem in, in the Mormon community. It, it not only does the church itself do it directly in the ways we've talked about, like in interviews and in the gum metaphor and all those things, but it's also, it's a byproduct of, of families that are too big for the parents to handle. Mm -hmm. It's it's a byproduct of all the answers are in the scriptures. It's a byproduct of, you know, of leaders that believe that they're inspired. And so whatever they say is true and works. <laughs> the, the emotional abuse thing and the giving yourself permission, if that's the best thing for you, in my case, I've been thinking about quitting my family since I was 25 years old. I'm 57 now. And the thing that kept me coming back was that damn doctrine about I have a family here on earth. They are so good to me. And it's a freaking <laughs> lie. 
Because it's, it's not true for everybody. Yeah, you cut out there for a minute. You want to say that again? Yeah, I was talking about that. I, I, I considered quitting the family three decades ago and, and, and that damn doctrine of families are eternal kept me guilted me to staying you know it's it's been so hurtful all these years to keep going back again and again and getting the same thing getting the same smackdown every time mm -hmm. instead of getting you know the needs validated and it would have been so much healthier for me to just fall through on quitting the family and quite frankly if we watch that if you watch that video i posted you're actually helping the abuser out the that can provide motivation for the abuser to start looking at themselves when they get cut off, you know, to, to start looking at themselves and going, Hmm, maybe there's something I need to do here with me. Um, so you're actually doing everybody a service. Now I'm not advocating in all situations. What I'm saying is that when we were saying earlier about getting, getting help and love from other people and, you know, and, and giving it as well, I think where it ha when it has to be cut off is when you realize, when you come to a point that you realize every single time you come away from an encounter with this other person or these other people, you feel worse coming out of it than better. And then it never changes, you know, and, and that's where I was, I, it just clicked for me when I was 25 years old that, you know what, I really haven't been happy for a long time. And here I am, twice as much time has elapsed in my life when I first realized that and I still hadn't taken steps to remediate it and it's because of that damn doctrine it just and you know that doctrine I'm going that doctrine I'm pretty sure was Joseph Smith's device you know the Helen Mark Kimball thing if you will um you know if you'll marry me then you and your family will be assured eternal salvation spiritual extortion extortion right and he used <laughs> Yeah, I think that's where the doctrine of eternal families had has its roots was in polygamy, it extortion, leverage to to get women to cooperate with it. So beautiful doctrine that we have is actually it's harmful. It can be very mm -hmm. harmful for people. Yeah, right. it's what kept me in uh, unhealthy marriage for so long. <laughs> right. Because I was like, oh, but I made covenants and oh, the ceiling and the kids and the. And God will yeah. make it all better next life. Mm. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm yeah. entitled. We're entitled to happiness now. To happiness now. I read a couple different uh, autobiographies on polygamy, Tell It All and Wife Number 19. And this idea permeates the, uh, the justification that women, uh, some of the rationalization that they use to go ahead and go along with polygamy was suffer now, suffer now, in order to gain this eternal reward. Yeah. And when I learned about the Buddhist concept of being in the moment mm -hmm. and it, you know, that was so liberating for me. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's okay to like, wait, everything's not a pay it forward. Everything doesn't have to be a pay it forward. Like, yeah, I can start cashing in now. It's okay. <laughs> that was so awesome. It was. I remember having that realization also and just being like, it's okay to, it's okay to do that now. It's okay to find joy in the now. In fact, not only is it okay, but it's like super healthy. Right. But eat, drink, and be merry. 
that's a bad thing. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. You know, like, no, yeah, actually, you know what? That's a healthy thing. It is. I think that it allows me to just be more giving and more kind. Kind of a weird story, and it's not like a toot your own horn story, and I don't know if I've said it, told it before, but I found a teenager who was abandoned in my apartment complex uh, by his friends. And it was super cold outside. He was using the outside um, outlet just outside my place to charge his phone. And the Mormon in me would have been like, well, I'm not going out there. Um, But I went out there and I was like, dude, are you okay? Like, do you need a ride somewhere? And first he was like, no, 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 I'm okay. I'm like, if you change your mind, I live right here. And about 20 minutes later, he knocked on my door and asked for a ride. Mm -hmm. And he'd been, he'd been kicked out by his super TBM parents. Um, I said, I said, well, is there anywhere I can take you? And he's like, I think my grandparents would take me in. I said, do you want to give him a call? I'll give him a heads up because it was midnight. He's like, no, I'm afraid if I call, they'll tell me not to come over. And I just like broke my heart. I said, I never, ever, ever want to be in a place where my kids feel like my kids or my grandkids feel like they can't just come over. I mean, this kid was literally about to leave outside. Was wow. he high? Was he high? Just curious. No, it wasn't. No, he had gotten in a he got in a fight. Oh. And so he got he was beat up. So Wow. Yeah. 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 It was bad. I gotta sign sure. off. Me too. Thanks for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Happy Valentine's Anytime. Day. You too. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. A copy of love. Bye. Bye.